In this episode of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. I was already doing witchcraft. I had a Ouija board that I used all the time. Welcome to episode 125 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This one is the final interview in the very magical series of interviews with Pleasant Gaiman that you hopefully have heard right here on the Bobcast. This episode, part three of a series. This time, we talk about some paranormal subjects. We talk about UFOs a little bit, paranormal investigating, ghost hunting, that kind of thing. But we're also going to talk about Pleasant's psychic abilities. Talk a little bit about witchcraft, tarot, a lot more, just in time for Halloween and Bobtober. And yes, Pleasant Gaming is the perfect guest for this spooky and Halloween-y type of season. She has a couple really spooky stories to tell, especially near the very end, so please stay tuned for the entire episode. And with all things Pleasant Gaming, Things do get wild. I mean, there are exploding light bulbs in this episode, uh, some psychic premonitions speaking to ghosts. This one has it all in the realm of the strange and the supernatural. And I do have to say this too, before we really get going, I'm really bummed that this whole series is coming to an end because the entire time doing these interviews with Pleasant, I've loved talking to her. She is so interesting, such a rad and incredible person. So much fun to talk to. Truly a genuinely amazing person, Pleasant Gaiman. Now, I will say this, though. Maybe look for more with Pleasant in the future here on the Bobcast. You know, something might be brewing in this cauldron that we've got going where Pleasant will hopefully be back on a more regular basis. We shall see, my dearies. (laughs) All right, well, before we really get going here, let me give you the ins and outs of the episode, so to speak. First of all, We're going to talk to Pleasant and her partner, Coyote, about the Ramones Ducks, and they're going to explain it fully to you. Ramones Ducks, I went up and saw them recently. It's something that happens at Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which is in Hollywood, California. You know, imagine that, Hollywood Forever in Hollywood. The family and I went up there to meet Pleasant. Coyote was there with her. This was just a few days ago. We got to see the very amazing spectacle, the grandeur. That is the Ramones Ducks. I mean, holy shit, it is amazing what you should do. And Coyote's going to bring this up later too. Follow at Ramones Ducks on Instagram. They post videos of this whole thing daily. Uh, very soon also, I filmed a bunch when we were up there. You'll see a full video of everything that kind of goes on with it up on the I Want to Party with Bob YouTube channel. I will let you know when that's out, hopefully very, very soon. I'm just going to leave it at this though. The Ramones Ducks, it is a sight to behold. Yes, it is indeed. Music in the episode. Yes, you are going to hear one song by Pleasant's band, Screamin' Sirens. That's coming up in the middle of the interview. The name of that song is Rare and Daring. That song is off the Screamin' Sirens record Fiesta, their very first record, I do believe. And the last thing I'm going to say before we get going with the interview This episode is brought to you by Good Life Digestive Health and also Wicked Cat Clothing. Why don't we hear from Wicked Cat Clothing first, then we'll get straight to the interview with Pleasant. Please stay tuned. Wicked Cat Clothing was founded by Stephanie Long, 
who designed and founded the Wicked Cat clothing line because of her love for Halloween, horror movies, the paranormal, and cats. Stephanie wants to bring her love of these things to others with apparel and accessories that have unique designs. Wicked Cat Clothing is your store and your source for horror, Halloween, paranormal, clothing, accessories, and more 365 days a year. And right now, if you visit wickedcatclothing.com, you can get 30% off of your order by using code PARTYWITHBOB30 at checkout. There is no expiration date. Simply browse and select the ghoulishly groovy Wicked Cat clothing design of your choice. And when you check out, use that code. Once again, it's PARTYWITHBOB30. That way you'll get 30% off of your entire order. Wicked Cat Clothing, your source for horror, Halloween, paranormal clothing, and more, 365 days a year. Great to see you again. I just saw you a couple days ago, but uh, always a pleasure to see you and talk to you. This is our our last interview for this this phase of uh, the podcast kind of thing. And we're going to talk about paranormal stuff, magic, witchcraft, the occult, some things that you sent me that are kind of uh, very, very interesting. I definitely want to talk to you about that. And also, when I came up and saw you the other day, what was it that we saw at Hollywood Forever Cemetery? And Coyote, <laughs> Coyote is here, and Coyote is a big part of this, too. What was it that happened at Hollywood Forever that, that the world needs to know about, I think? Ramones ducks. The Ramones <laughs> ducks, the Ramones yes. Ducks. And more than ducks. I mean, the Ramones peacocks, swans, geese, and the originals. Oh, yeah. so it started off with the Ramones ducks. Okay, but for, for your listeners who weren't there like you were, at Dee Dee Ramones' grave the other day, as in, in every other day, we we play a, a song which is a, a duck version of Duck's Big Bop or, or Blitz Big Bop. <laughs> we go to Didi Ramon's graves and we bla- a, a grave and we blast this song and the ducks, the swans, the geese, the the coots, the squirrels, the sparrow cats, the peacocks, all these critters that happen to live in in the cemetery and and when, they know that when they hear that song, there's a party at Didi Ramon's grave and they all flock to there for a party and 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 we take care of them and it, it started off with just five ducks that our friend Daniel hatched from eggs they're black Cayuga ducks and he taught them how to swim in his bathtub in his little Hollywood apartment and then he brought them out into the yard one day and his uh his landlord said Daniel this is not a farm so since <laughs> so since he lived so since he lived n- near the um, Hollywood Cemetery, we we all live really close to it. He asked permission if he could bring the ducks there, and they're beautiful ducks. It's five ducks, but they're since they were, you know, civilized by getting raised by humans from the second they were hatched. Um, they're very social. They weren't like the other ducks. Some of the ducks there are domestic, and others are wild that drop in on migration patterns, but. Uh. These ducks started following Coyote and I around, and we used to only go to the pond to feed them. And then Coyote had the idea that we should try to get them to come up to Didi Ramon's grave. And we didn't have the song then. We didn't have Ducks Creek Bop. But they were following us all around the pond because in the summer of 2020, 
when there was nowhere else to go, like even the parks were shut in Los Angeles, you know, because of the lockdowns. I was going yeah. to the cemetery every day. And Coyote finally said, what, what the fuck do you do at the cemetery? Do you do witchcraft there or something? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, what do you do? And I said, I feed the ducks and the cats. And he said, there's ducks there? And I said, yeah. And he's like, can I go with you? And this is after he, I've been doing it like every day. And he was just like rolling his eyes at it, thinking I was doing some witchy chick shit, you know? <laughs> so, so, then like after the first visit, he was hopping up and down and he looked at me like a little boy and he's like, can we do this again tomorrow? And I said, I do it every day. So we started coming there every day. And after a few, like about a week of it, we both had this idea that we should um, do something really spectacular for huge air quotes. Imagine like 10 story high air quotes for when everything goes back to normal. So we decided <laughs> we were going to train the ducks to follow us around. And then like we decided, you know, he decided we should try to train them to go to Didi Ramon. So we started working on first on following us around the pond and that started working so fast. That's how the Didi Ramon thing came up because we both love the Ramones, obviously. So then they were coming up there and then Coyote made the song and he sampled it from all of the ducks and geese and swans in the cemetery. That's all their voices, like uh, on the song. But I actually used their voices because I just thought like, I don't know if it was like me and some other species was making a thing. I would recognize my voice. Right, right. You go, no, that's an imposter. Those aren't the real ducks. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it really helped, but in my mind, yeah, that was like an added thing. Like we'll use their actual voices and then they'll hear, yeah, they have to go. Who wouldn't, you know? So the lead singer on that is a female mallard named Loudmouth after the Ramones. <laughs> because <laughs> you can hear her quack all the way across the cemetery. So she's the lead vocalist. So anyway, the concept was that we would have some extravagant duck call and then we would both raise our hands up in the air like wizards on Game of Thrones or in some... Yeah, like Charlton Heston. Yeah, And then I was like, I'll have to wear like a black cloak and you have to get a really nice suit and we'll just walk in there into the middle of some giant event at Hollywood Forever when, when everything goes back to normal and we'll just like raise our hands up and say the call and then um, every animal in the cemetery will come swimming and flying and running to us. And that was, uh, that was like our joke, but then it started really <laughs> happening. It started happening, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And oh. then it started escalating. So what started with five ducks, five original Ramones ducks is now like 35 to 75 birds, cats and squirrels and you know, and now children and grownups, like from all across the cemetery, coming to Dee Dee Ramon's grave every day. Coyote knows um, Barbara, who was Dee Dee's wife in real life. I don't know her, but um, we started posting about it online and she liked it. <laughs> and I was afraid because I was posting so much duck stuff with Dee Dee Ramon's. I thought it might be like you know weird to her but sure. she, she's like a huge animal lover so she, she she's very down with it and um it just it just took on a life of its own and now it's even on um it's going to be on the the cemetery tours that carrie bible does and every day like there was so many people there today just looking at it and like going 
what is going on. Or like there was this one one woman who um, we wound up meeting later that day, but she she heard like the first they were they were having a picnic near us when we were doing the um the whole duck thing, and we didn't know like we thought that they were just enjoying themselves, but they were taking videos. And later when they gave us the videos, she was like what am I witnessing? And they're like, they were trying to figure out what was going on. And like, you know, at first they thought it was like some kind of witchcraft. And then, and then they heard like the song and then they saw all the, the ducks running and they they were, they had no idea what was happening. Because there's, we have two kinds of viewers. Ones are the ones that know what's going on and they come down for the show. Right. And then the other ones that are just like, happen to be randomly walking by because they're visiting, you know, a loved one or they, you know, it's just a nice day. So they have a picnic out there. And out of the blue, they hear this weird music and they think, what the hell are those crazy people doing? What are those people doing? Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, like, birds start flying out of the sky and shit like that. But at first they think they're crazy people. And then the next thing you know, that all the birds and all the, you know, cats and the squirrels and everything are heading towards it, you know. And and that's the part that really that makes their their head explode. And that I, that those people aren't crazy. That that the animal. Well, maybe they are. But you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> disclaimer: we definitely are. But but it's working. But it's working is the point. You know, it's magic. It's it really is a magical thing to witness. And I saw a lot of people just kind of walking up. Like I don't know if they were there because they knew that you guys were going to do it, or if they were like you said, like. Maybe just bystanders, and they well, walked up. Half and half, like half. They're like, and we appreciate that. Like, great. Like, I love that, right? And you guys appreciate it too, like we do. And half the time, it's like people are just walking for randomly, and they go, like, "Whoa, what the fuck am I stumbling <laughs> like, on? What is this?" Yeah, and, then, <laughs> and then even before it starts, you know, you know, like the the wonderful magical call that we were gonna make turned out to just me screaming and baby talk. <laughs> Come on, dads, like that. So. <laughs> There was supposed to be forethought there. We, we, you know, we had this thing, we're going to do this, we're going to come up to DD's and then we'll play the, and we'll have like a call so that they know it. We'll make it a very distinctive call and we'll think about this and come up with something, right? <laughs> except, except we never did. And then we, next thing you know, there we are showing up. We did the stuff. And since we didn't have anything planned, she's went, come on, ducks. And that, be- <laughs> that became the call. So now and she goes up there and goes, come on, ducks. And they do. <laughs> they know her voice. They're it's like, like oh, it's time to yeah. eat. It's time. It's food. All right. Like a five-year-old is gone. Like, come on, ducks. <laughs> It's the official call, and sure enough, <laughs> the ducks come. It works. It actually works. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I love the thing that we were standing there and watching it, and the five OG ducks didn't show up, right? They were like, where are they? And, got- then, and then you you guys said, like, hey, oh, wait, they're back there. Here they come. And I was talking to Coyote for a minute, and I was like, oh, they're like the old punks in the back of the show standing there going, Oh yeah, we were here first. We were the we were the cool ones. We're the we were here before anybody else. Aren't they being a little standoffish lately? They are, but yesterday, um, we sat yesterday, all five of them came up, but one of them has a limp, and we don't know what happened to 
to him. Oh, 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 so, oh! Was that so the one I, you pointed that one out too? I think and yeah. said, "Yeah, this one's this one has something happened to it because yeah." Lot. And today they came, but it was only four of them. So one of them's leg is kind of bad right now. The cemetery takes care of all the animals there medically, and um, you know, there's also volunteers that will like get cats that are dumped off there, which happens frequently, unfortunately. We'll take them to get them, like, spayed. And the cemetery provides, like, high-protein food for the cats. There's actually, like, a lot of, like, volunteer slash charity slash animal, well, like, that goes on. This is just sort of the most, like, you know, fun, cinematic rock and roll uh, right, 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 right. Yeah, it's a lot more fun than somebody like a vet inspecting a cat, right, <laughs> or taking yeah, care yeah. of the cats or whatever. But there's so. a lot of like stuff like that that goes on too. That we that we you know, so it just isn't as fun. But the, obviously, the Ramones ducks are the most fun because. I don't know. It's just, just it's, 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 it's so crazy. It is. It is. Oh, that's awesome. That's such a great, great thing to see. So yeah, I would definitely recommend for people to go see that if you get a chance and you're in hollywood if you're too far away what do you do hello watch it on youtube or instagram Instagram. ramones ducks Ducks. yeah they're all one where you can watch this every day you can watch them march up the hill to dd's grave every single day and then have their little duck riots but you know i think that we're gonna have to adjust our feeding hours because it was at 4 45 but now that we're um now that it's starting to get dark, we're going to have to have earlier winter dinner ceremony hours so people can come there before the cemetery closes. Okay, cool. That was that was something to see. I will definitely say that. Oh, I will never forget that for sure. So, all right, well, let's talk about some kind of paranormal and witchcraft and, and magic and things like that. And you specifically, this is a tough one because you kind of had a lot of stuff happen when you were very young. I mean, we talked about the, your UFO story. You were, how old were you? Like four or something when that yeah, happened? I think I, was, I was, I think I was like five, maybe. Maybe five-ish. Okay. And then yeah. I think you even talked about having an experience. Did, did you, did you ever see any kind of ghost activity or anything like that, that you would call a ghost when you were a little kid? I didn't, well, not at the earliest house, but the first psychic experience that I had that I didn't realize that's what it was until a lot later was we lived in upstate New York, like way out in the sticks, like way, way out in the sticks. We lived in a revolutionary war farmhouse and like the, we lived so far out that my bus driver uh, or the like the school bus didn't stop anywhere near my house. And there was this lady named Mrs. Strickland that would drive a, a station wagon and pick up all the kids that lived way rural out there and bring them to the nearest bus stop, which was like 15 miles away. Oh, wow. But, um, but Mrs. Strickland, who was like 79 or 80 at that point, had been born in my house. Like, you know, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. But anyhow, I was watching... TV in my little tiny playroom, which was fit, which faced the forest. And it was probably about seven o'clock at night, you know, and this was like, it was fall. And all of a sudden this man's voice came into my head and said, the barn is on fire. Your barn is on fire. And, and I just got this like cold fear and, and it made me cry because I couldn't see a man anywhere and it wasn't on the TV or anything. So 
I ran into the kitchen and I was in hysterics and I told my mother the barn was on fire and she looked at me and she was like, what? And then I was like crying. I was like, mommy, mommy, the barn is on fire. And she went outside and then the barn was all the way down to hell and you could see the flames. So, oh my God. Called, yeah. She called the volunteer fire department and um, my father went out. My older half brother went out and like neighbors were coming and they got it out before anything got really damaged. I mean, there was, we weren't a working farm, so there wasn't animals in there, but it was a big, giant, old wooden barn, you know, with, with still with hay in it and stuff. So, I mean, that could have, that could have been insane, but that, that was the first thing that I, I do remember that along with the UFO sighting from when I was really, really little. Yeah. But I kept having the first time that I actually had a voice again, that I really recognized as, Something was when I was about, I think I was about 13. I was, I was at boarding school and I had, and we were walking down this path into the woods where we'd go and get stoned every day after classes. And it was always like the same ragtag bunch of kids. And we we're walking single file down this forest path. And I got a man's voice in my head again saying, you have to go home right now. Turn around, turn around, go home. And I just like stopped. I was lost in line and I yelled out to the kids, um, oh, I just, I have to do homework. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. And they said, okay. And I, I headed back to the dorm and an hour and a half later, the rumor was circulating around the dorm and then later at the cafeteria that everybody got busted and nobody blamed me that I was with because I was always with them. You know, they didn't think that I like narked on them. Which right, the right. Term. But it just made me stop in my tracks and I got the cold chills the same way when I was really little. And so stuff like this kept happening to me about a lot of things. And it wasn't always a man's voice. And what I'm describing is called clear audience to people. But sometimes I would just have a feeling about something, which I later found out was called clear sentience. And, I, and sometimes I would see things in dreams. I had predictive dreams all the time. But until way after I was a legal adult, thought that I was psychic because I thought in order to be like a real psychic, you could, you just had it all the time. You could just turn it on when you needed to, like you could read someone's mind or you could predict something. I didn't, you know, but my, I always, I used to just describe this sometimes to people that I felt like, like I could, I could see and know and hear and understand things that were going to happen but I always just thought it was like, quote, quote, a hunch, because if I ever tried to concentrate on doing it, I couldn't make it work. It was, it was like in the olden days when you had, and I'm 62 for anyone that's listening. So in the olden days, like back in my day, when you only had, <laughs> when you only had a black and white TV, if the rabbit ears or something weren't in the right position, you couldn't even get the three channels that existed at the time, you know? So yeah. I felt like I knew stuff, but I couldn't, I couldn't just call it up at will. So I never thought of myself as a psychic for decades, you know? Right. You also had something happen when you were eight years old in Chicago, when you're walking down the street, you're staying there with your mom and your brothers and sisters for a little bit and something happened to you. Yeah, that was, we had, we had my mom grew up in Chicago and she took us there. And um, as we were leaving the hotel, she had, she said she had a headache and she didn't have any aspirin. And, um, I said, why don't you go around the corner? And I described this drugstore to her completely like what the wind, you know, it had green trimming on the windows. It had a black and white aisle floor. It had like a 
big cabinet with like candy and cigarettes in it and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, it sounds like a, a movie version of an old drugstore, but I was eight. I mean, I hadn't like seen, I wasn't right. seeing that in the movies, you know? And my mother gave me this really crazy look and we turned around the corner and there it was. And I even told her like where the tables were and the ice cream fountain and stuff. And that just sort of stopped her in her tracks. And then, so stuff like that would happen all the time. But I also think that when you're a kid, you know, you can say things like unfiltered and sometimes adults will humor you like with, with imaginary children, you know, I mean, imaginary playmates that children have, um, you know, cause that seems like a regular part of growing up, but I sure. had lots of that kind of uh, thing going on, but I also had things like the drugstore or the barns on fire or, you know, other things like that, that were not explained, like lots of things all the time, you know? And so I, you know, that, that was just part of it. Also the electrical thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So tell why, I mean, why don't we talk about that right now? Why, okay. would, why would people call you? I mean, I'll start it off by saying, why would people call you Firestarter and Carrie? They're like, oh no, here comes Carrie. Uh, better turn off your computer before she walks into the room because you don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. Okay. So I have this thing that also I didn't know that this was a, a real, I mean, I knew it was a real thing with me, but I didn't know that it was recognized as a, a paranormal phenomenon. It's called EPK. That's the abbreviation for it, for electropsychokinesis. And it's, like Carrie, I'm just saying, you know, since since I was called Carrie, <laughs> um, what Carrie had was telekinesis, the ability to move objects yeah. and things. And I've actually done a lot of experiments with that in the past, like, decade and a half or so. And I can do that, but that takes a lot of energy. Mm. What differentiates um, electrokinesis from telekinesis is that electrokinesis or electropsychokinesis is usually happens to someone uh, who's who's got the predilection towards that because I wouldn't I wouldn't call this a talent or a gift I mean I guess it sort of could be but for when when you get when you're very upset or when you're stressed or angry or sometimes very happy and excited or just a little bit nervous about something basically you just blow shit up. Yeah. So um, this would happen to me all the time. Like I, I'd go on dance auditions when I was older because I didn't start dancing until I was 30. And I would, the second I'd walk into like a club or a dance studio for an audition, shit would just blow up, you know? Or I would, the, fir the f very first time I remembered this was when I was about, I guess I was around 11 and it was the and by this time I was living in Connecticut. So it was the first beautiful spring day of a really bad winter, a bad slushy New England winter. And I woke up and the sun was shining in and I could hear kids playing in the street and I wanted to go down to play with them. But my mother said I had to, to dust, you know, cause we had chores to do when sure. I was little. And so I was like, can I dust later? And she said, no. So I, you know, she just like, you couldn't argue with her. She was, she was very adamant about things like that. So I grabbed the dust rag and a can of pledge and I was working through the house and we had a lot of antiques and there was a lot of like bookshelves and stuff. 
And <clears throat> when I was in the living room, it was right outside the door in the middle of the street. I could hear every kid in the neighborhood playing and I was getting more and more resentful. And so I was cleaning this old, this like, you know, Revolutionary War era also, or like, you know, 1800s kind of like cabinet that had handles for towels and it had a wash bowl on the top and it had a chamber pot concealed underneath. But instead of the wash bowl, there was a lamp on there. And I was getting more and more mad because, it, it, you know, they'd been out there for like almost an hour at this point. And I was afraid I was going to miss it. And I, I got so resentful that I sprayed the, the cleaner on the rag and they started polishing the handles. And then I could hear them all yelling like one of the teams won. And the whole lamp just went, <laughs> it just like wow. exploded in front of me. And there was, there was like glass flying out the top of the lampshade and all these shards of light bulb glass all over the place. And I'm, I'm getting goosebumps as I tell you this now, because this was the first time it ever happened to me. And my mom came running in and she started screaming at me. She's like, why did you do that? Why did you do that? And like any kid, I said the classic line, but I didn't even touch it. Yeah, but I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Through, I was like, I wasn't anywhere near the lamp, you know? And she didn't believe me. And she said, you sprayed that like aerosol directly on the light bulb. And I was like, no, I didn't. And I didn't even know that that could make it explode, right. you know? And it, yeah. just, and it just exploded. And so I, I was grounded. I wasn't allowed to, to go out and play with them. But stuff like that kept happening to me. And then when, when everyone got computers and when my band started recording and when I was making movies and stuff, it would happen every time to the point like where like what you just said people would be like oh hey pleasant how you doing stay away from my computer like <laughs> you know because I, and i froze dat machines and recording sessions I, I i i've made speedometers grow backwards like they just go around the wrong way around like driving in cars i also like Somehow once in Missouri, I had, we were, we were getting, we were riding between like Kansas City and some other town, like way, way the hell in the sticks, you know, for a dance thing. And um, the burglar alarm in the car started going off and, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't stop and it, it would not stop. And, and this was like, we're talking about like a three and a half hour ride where oh. we had the radio on to try to drown out the, um, the burglar alarm and anytime like anytime the girl that was driving put her feet on the brakes it, like the lights would start flashing in the car and then it would like the burglar alarm would go louder and there was like truckers like flipping us off and stuff when they, <laughs> oh it was pouring rain we were in this gridlock we pulled over to a truck stop and this trucker was trying to help us fix it and then um, she called her husband finally going, how do you disable the burglar alarm? He's like, what? The burglar alarm doesn't even work. And she's like, it's been working the whole time. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. Wow. So it didn't work at all before that, before you got close to it. No. And then when, wow. when we finally got to her place hours later, uh, you know, just like shell shock from hearing a burglar alarm for three and a half hours straight, he he, he greeted us at the door and we're like, how do you know we we're coming? He's like, oh, I heard you from far, far away. <laughs> but then he went to look at the car the next morning and the burglar alarm was disabled still. It oh wasn't on. It was, I mean, so shit like that happens to me all the time. Or, or like I exploded a police car. This is a story from my book, um, 
in Showgirl Confidential. Yeah, 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 yeah. right here. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Right there it is. And I read that story too. That was amazing. Oh, yeah. And you and yeah. you, you with the, the, and I'll just interject the, the 9-11 thing at the gas station. And I'm not going to yeah. ruin the story by saying what he told you at the very end either, right? Where he's like, oh, I know. Oh, my I God. <laughs> now, when I, I mean, okay, so I'm just going to say this right now. Like, and even without paranormal stuff in my books, like uh, uh, one of one of the publishers I had for a book that came out a long time ago in the 90s or, or the early 2000s called this Escape from Houdini Mountain. She wanted to publish it as non, uh, she wanted to publish it as fiction because she said memoir didn't sell. And we got into a huge fight about this. Sure. I was like, this is my life. This is real stuff. She's like, memoir doesn't sell. And I was like, well, this one will. I mean, now, and also all the whole time, memoir has always sold. But she wound up registering it in the Library of Congress as memoir. So when I was trying to get a literary agent, I was sending copies of the book out to them and i would always get the same kind of letter from so many agents your writing is incredible you're a great writer but your your um your characters are unbelievable and the plots are implausible and i was like this is my fucking life. <laughs> this is my life this is real shit that happens to me God, that is so crazy book that i have coming out soon called rock and roll witch all i have to say is that it's that book is going to make anyone that thought my books were absurd it's going to blow those other books out of the water master master look your creation it is moving master igor you fool stand back and let me gaze upon this miracle of life yes master it's alive alive well, at least his digestive system is working, Master. Yes, yes, a healthy monster must have a properly working digestive system if it's going to properly terrorize the villagers. Good thing I used the products of Good Life Digestive Health during the process of creating this perfect specimen. Uh, uh, master, look out! It's getting loose! Uh, uh. Don't worry, Igor. The creation knows that the key to good digestive system health is plenty of exercise, along with a natural high-fiber diet, staying hydrated, and supplementing its digestive system needs with the products of Good Life Digestive Health. Where can I find these Good Life Digestive Health products, Master? It's very easy, Igor. Simply go to goodlifedigestivehealth.com and browse the selection of digestive system remedies and supplements. There, you'll find products such as the Healthy Bowel Support, DiverCalm Botanicals, and Digest Plus supplements that will help bring your digestive system back into balance. Thank you, Master. I'll go to goodlifedigestivehealth.com right away. Now, where did that monster go? Igor, bring me a bottle of the enteric coated peppermint oil. I think my creation might have an upset stomach. Disclaimer, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This information slash products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
something else you know you're a very very special person i don't think that a lot of people have lived anywhere near the kind of life that you have and what i wanted to ask you know going into kind of the paranormal side of things do you ever feel like like with the epk thing and psychic abilities and maybe you know even going back to seeing the ufos or anything like that is there something out there that wants you is there a reason behind it all have you ever really thought about that like as spirits kind of guiding you in some way, or if you want to say it that way, you know, what do you, what do you, why do you think all this stuff? It's very magical in a way. I think what happened, the things that happened to you in your life in general, kind of. Oh, I think so too. I mean, I, I've thought, well, the first thing that I realized this a long time ago, but it sounded kind of pretentious. So I never really like said it. Or, I mean, I thought it sounded pretentious. I think that like both my parents were writers and there's other writers in my family and you know, my family is all artists. So I was very privileged to be born into a family like that. But I feel like so many crazy things have happened to me and like tons beyond what's in my books. And some of them were really tragic and some of them, you know, were just harrowing. Some of them were delightfully silly and funny and some of them were just like weird things. But I feel like I was, born to just bear witness and explain stuff like this. I mean, even, even though it's memoir, I mean, I know that there's a lot of things that so many people can relate to. And when I was writing my earlier books, um, you know, there was no social media and stuff. And I, I can't even tell you how many letters I got from people saying, wow, I, I did something like this. Or like, wow, you're the first person that's like said what that concert was really like or, or stuff like that. And I mean, I just feel like I'm open. I, I always feel like I'm an open channel as far as paranormal stuff. But even when I was like really little, oh, okay. So going back to the EPK thing and, and the UFO <laughs> and all of this, because I feel like all of this is tied in. Sure. So when I saw that, that UFO that was, I don't know what episode of your podcast that was on, but the one, the one um, that like all of upstate New York, saw in right. 1965 and when that put out power on almost the entire eastern seaboard from north of niagara falls to like maryland or something yeah you know when i saw that and it, again i'm getting chills because that was so crazy so for anyone that that um didn't hear it i was i asked my mom if i could stay up to watch lassie it was a little tiny kid it was again in upstate new york and I ran upstairs to put on my pajamas and my whole room got yellow, like a glowing yellow daylight. And when I looked outside, I could see everything in negative. I could see our pond. I could see the tree line of the forest. And there was this huge craft or fireball. I still don't know what it was. And I don't think a lot of people know what it was that was 
flying in a really slow arc. And I remember it being like lime, psychedelic greens and orange flames coming off of it. And I, I was I was like shivering when I saw it, but I was thrilled. I ran downstairs to tell my mom and um, she was already at the window and she called the sheriff and they thought she was drinking. And then hours later, they called back to apologize to her because there had been like 200 people calling in after wow. her or something like that. And then the next day, everyone found out that, you know, that, that that happened and everyone found out that the whole power went out everywhere, you know? So I feel like, I feel like that had something to do with my EPK. And when I, when I was also little, I would find like baby birds or squirrels that had fallen out of trees. And I would think that I was, I would pick them up and I would will them back to life or will them to get better or to, you know, and I would take them home and I would take care of them. And I had like a pet crow that used to sit on my shoulder um, as I walked to school. And then he'd wait on the jungle gym when I came back that he was like a couple of days old. Like, I don't even know if you'd call it a fledgling. He, he looked like a little like hairless, featherless, like worm and Whoa. had him for a long time. And then I had other animals. And so, I didn't, I thought I was praying for them and I thought I was just sort of caring for them and giving them love. And it wasn't until this is going to sound so batshit too, that do you remember that movie, the green mile? I don't even remember what for anyone that never saw it, it's a prison movie. And there's, it starts off with this guy whose name was John coffee and he's got these two dead little girls in his arms in a river. So he gets, he gets taken in for murder because he was a black man and there were little white girls and blah, blah. Anyhow, he's in prison. And, you know, you're seeing through the whole movie, he's a good person and, you know, but we didn't know until, I mean, us as the audience didn't know until uh, in the middle towards the end of the movie, when him and this other convict had had a little tiny pet mouse and they'd save bits of their dinner and give it to him and they loved the mouse. And when the, the sadistic guard found out that they liked the mouse, he waited until the mouse came out and was coming over to get some like a piece of cheese or something and then he the guard like just stepped on it full blown and was jumping on it and killed it and um so john coffee it took him ages in the scene to reach the mouse and he was crying and he held it up to his mouth and he kind of closed his eyes and he blew on it and i remember sparkling animation marks which was the only animation in that whole movie and everyone in the movie was in the theater was going Uh, And in my head, I was sitting there with my hands on my face going, oh, my fucking God, I can do that. Oh, my God, I can do exactly what that guy just did like that. And then that was like how I connected it. And so then like a few years after that, I was I was starting to do paranormal investigations with my friend Crystal Ravenwolf. And we invested we investigated everywhere from like haunted Halloween attractions that really had ghosts at them that the the whole cast was like quitting over and Queen Mary quite a few times. Yeah. I I can tell you about that more in a, in a, in a minute. But so then um, she, when we were starting, when you do a sweep for a paranormal investigation, you have to make sure there's no, there's no interference. So you can tell, you know, if the electromagnetic field is either a cluster of wires hidden behind a desk or if it's an actual, spirit you know right and so she she caught on to my epk really quickly because you know she's like hereditary been a witch her witches in her family for generations 
and she, we were in the middle of an investigation on the suicide bridge, the bridge in Pasadena on Orange, the Orange Street Bridge, which has had like an insane amount of suicides and deaths since during its construction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was built at the turn of the last century. So anyhow, we were up there doing, and she's like, calm down, calm down. You're, you're wrecking the EMF meters. And then, and she's like, with your electrical shit. <laughs> was it making them go yeah, wire or something? What was it doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's like, I, we can't tell if it's you or spirit. So just take a few breaths and calm down. And I said, I always try to control it, but I can't. And then she said, um, see that light in that tower? And there was a tower way across sort of like the canyon. She's like, see if you can turn it out. And I said, I always try to do this with streetlights when I turn them on, but they just like light up when I go near the end. And then all of a sudden it clicked into my head because we're both dancers that when I'm teaching people dance and they're not getting a, a piece of technique or a choreography, I go, don't overthink it. So suddenly I thought, don't overthink it. And I just looked at the light where the tower was and I went like that and it, it blew out immediately. And, I, wow. and so then I ruined everything and I was like, ah! like screaming i was like wow 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 i did it i did it and tesla was just sitting there looking at me like i was crazy she goes okay now turn it back on and so since i had just exhaled i just went like that and it lit up again and i was like oh my god i can do this like so then she said you know you can use this you can you can do it for energy healing so the first she's like you should try it and the first time we were together again was like a few weeks after that at this um after party of a dance event and it was at someone's house and the um she said look around and see if you can tell if there's anyone that needs healing and, you know because and because i had told her i had done healing but i didn't connect it to anything when i was little you yeah. know i thought it was pretty i looked around and the only being at the party that i thought needed healing was this greyhound that belonged to the owner and so I said, I feel like that dog needs healing. And, and she said, just walk up to it and use your body like a straw. And I said, okay. And so I walked up and I, I put my hand a little, like about a foot above the dog's back. And I saw that there was like, in my head, I saw all these black dots on the left hand quarter. And I said, it's okay, baby. And I started combing. And then I got like all kind of uh, tingly, nummy feeling when I, I got there. And that's when I saw the dots on the hind quarter. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to take that away. And they, they just kind of like, like dissipated in front of me. And then the dog backed its butt up to me and started wagging its tail and was looking back at me. And then the dog's owner came out and said, oh my God, I can't believe you're touching her. And, and because it was like a purebred greyhound. And I was like, I, I didn't touch her. I didn't touch her. And she's like, no, you don't understand. She, she won't let anyone even near her, even us. And we've had her for four months. She's a rescue greyhound and she'd been used as bait in a dog fighting ring and her whole back left leg was torn apart and we had to rehab her. And I just went, what? Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So, so her name was Charlie. That was, the, that was the first animal that I consciously healed. And then anytime I, I went up there again, and I wound up going up to San Francisco a lot and, and, and was friends with the girl who had her whose name was Surya, um, that dog was like, always like glued to me. Like we were never forgot we were you. Really wow. Wow. Yeah. Is that something you use in your everyday life or is there anything like oh, yeah, that? Yeah. You do use no, it, I do it all the time. I, I took one of my cats got spayed when she was, you know, 
like a kitten and they gave her too much anesthesia. And when they brought her back to me, she was completely upside down. And I was like, what the fuck have you done with my cat? Cause I, you know, I've had a million cats and I've never seen this. And then they're like, Oh, she's fine. And she was just like lolling and there was drool coming out. And the second I said, they were like, we can keep her. And I was like, no. And I just took her home and um, she was absolutely limp. And I thought I was going to lose her. And I started doing it on her and she just like, she popped up, she got on her feet, she looked at me, she purred, and then she just slept and it was normal. And then they did uh, give her too much of an anesthetic because she, she didn't wake up for hours because it wasn't just like an animal being a little bit dopey, you know? But right. Like if I, I feel like if I hadn't have done that to her, she would have died. She would have died. Oh my God. Wow. Wow. Have you ever done it with humans? I mean, with a human? Like when I write on Instagram or Facebook, tarot and energy work, I can't say to I can't say in public on the internet. I mean, just for like you know, you know how they used to always say fortune telling is for entertainment purposes only, sure, or right. or or like an occult star will sell something like alleged come to me oil. I can't make the claim that I I can heal people's like pain. You know, I, sure. I can't heal infections. I know that because if I did, I'd be. In the fucking CIA already for years. Oh, yeah, you'd be someplace. Yeah, you, we wouldn't be talking right now. Like, yeah, you'd be you'd be but like I, the I, Black I, Widow or something, right? Like is some top secret, like, agent yeah, type yeah. thing or something. But I can, I know I, I can take people's pain away. I can make people and, and animals, like, start to heal. I can see it exactly where it is. Like, I can do, like... I wouldn't call it medical mediumship, but when I close my eyes, I can just tell what's wrong with their body and even like stuff that they don't know about. And, and I can also like relieve stress as well. Sometimes when I do energy work with someone, they'll immediately burst into tears. A lot of people tell me it feels like a TENS machine, which is, you know, the electronic, like, like muscle work thing, you know, machines that physical therapists use, which is why I think this is all connected <laughs> to, to the, the UFO. All the, oh the my. Yeah. So I, I do, I do healings and people all the time, for all different reasons. And sometimes they don't feel it at first. Sometimes people feel it immediately. So I never tell them how it's supposed to feel because everybody is different. I mean, like literally the physical bodies, but they always always like to to a person come back to me and say i have had i've healed i healed a woman in a parking lot of a dance convention in texas with a cigarette hanging out of my mouth and my dance bag on my shoulder and i i just like she said she said her shoulder was bothering her and i said here i can i can take your pain away and she she called me two weeks later and she said i just canceled my rotator cuff surgery and i was like what and she's like, I don't need it. My arm is fine. They did x-rays. Everything looks fine. And I was like, what? And then another thing like that happened at a different dance event when I healed someone who had a shoulder injury, like pulled tendons and stuff. And the second I healed her, she got up and started screaming, he fixed me, he fixed me. And then she started doing cartwheels all the oh way down the street. Well, I was like screaming, stop it, stop it, stop it. And everyone was like, and she's like, no, look, look. And so I, I can't, I, I mean, I've, I've just said this to you, but I can't make claims of sure. that, like, you know, in writing and stuff, because they're coming to take me away. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yes, indeed. Oh my gosh! Wow. There's so many stories about about the EPK stuff that I I could just go I could rattle on for hours, like for hours. Well, has anybody ever accused you of because of that, like saying? Like, ooh, you're a witch. Like, you're channeling oh, yeah. Satan. Uh, no, you're using uh, the occult, your occult powers on people or anything like that. No, all the time. But, like, you you read that that the story that, that I sent you. Wasn't there the part note about it in a dance festival? Okay, I was trying to keep this on the download for so long because I thought people would, and I thought I was hiding it until, like, you know, I'd walk onto a set and the movie lights would explode or <laughs> right. I'd be standing like i'd have to get like eight different like electronic hotel cards in in one day <laughs> you know what i mean or or any of that kind of stuff so but so people were already noticing it for ages i used to like when i was teaching dance classes in the days of cds i'd go watch this and they'd be playing like arabic music or burlesque music because i teach belly dancing and burlesque and it, it people were, you know, getting too rowdy or if someone was, you know, forgetting steps or, you know, it was like some people will start to cry in dance classes because they can't get choreography or something. And it's not anything that I'm doing or any teacher is. It's just because it's frustrating. So I would say, here, just watch this. And, and an Arabic CD would be playing. And then I would swipe my hand across it horizontally about 10 inches above it. And then a Mexican radio station would come in. And then I'd swipe again and it would be like a Dodgers game. And I'd swipe again and it would be like news and Whoa. stuff. And then everyone would be like, let me try that. And they would just be doing it and nothing would happen. Oh my gosh. Wow. And they're like, what? Who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> no, I know. Like, yeah. But so, yeah, people have been saying the witch thing to me. Even when I was in junior high, before I knew most of this stuff, my nickname was Witchy Poo, because that was like sort of when H.R. Puffin stuff was around. And people said it to me all derogatory, but I don't know. I, I was already doing witchcraft. I had a Ouija board that I used all the time. And did you, were you reading, doing tarot readings and stuff like that for yourself and your friends or whatever back then too? Yeah, that started, yeah. I saved up my babies sending money to buy tarot cards and I have no idea why I wanted them so bad. And then when I got them, I got a Marseille deck, which is, it's, it's tarot de Marseille. It's not like, there's different systems of tarot. So without going into the whole thing. These are the ones that don't have pictures on the minor arcana. They only would have, like, if, it, if a card was, like, the Eight of Swords, it would only be eight swords on there. Oh, sure, so sure, sure. When I looked at the major arcana, I could kind of get get a handle on what was going on. But this was, like, in, like, 1972, I think, in New England, in a Catholic, um, you know, Polish and Italian Catholic town. So... I think I bought the, the cards out of the back. It was either Cream Magazine or some rock and roll magazine or possibly Andy Warhol's interview. But I sent cash because I didn't even have a checking account. Sure. I was like, you know. And when, so when I got the cards, then I didn't, like there was no books on tarot in the library there. And I didn't, so I could I could make up stories about what was happening with the major arcana, but with the minor arcana, I was just stumped until I finally found like, Eden Gray's book, um, and then later on found the the Rider Waite Smith deck, which is the most popular tarot deck, and that has actual scenes painted by Pamela Coleman Smith on 
the tarot cards of the minor arcana as well as the major arcana. Mm. And what happens when you read tarot for somebody? Does something, can you describe it? I mean, do you feel guided or do you feel like does something, I guess what I'm trying to say, like when you're doing, are there, do you get impressions or anything that this is? Yes, I get impressions all the time. And actually going back to, to the EPK thing for one second, I was giving a regular tarot client of mine who I've never met in real life because she lives in Florida and we only met in 2020, like at the beginning of the pandemic, like that was kind of, Anyhow, <clears throat> I was, and we'd already been reading for months, you know, she would get like a, a monthly reading. So I was in the middle of giving her a reading and I was like, what's up with your mouth? What's going on with your tooth on the left side? And she's like, nothing. And I said, oh, I see something there. I'm feeling something that's wrong with your tooth. And then like the next week she called me up and she's like, oh my God, I don't know how you did this, but. I had a crown in there and it crumbled. It got, it was already apparently crumbling when you saw or felt something. And I can't, I can't um, get an operation. She couldn't get the dental surgery, the oral surgery, because she was on some kind of a drug for, um, I think to stave off osteoporosis or something. She had to be off it for two months. So she was in incredible pain. So I said, oh, well, I do energy work too. So I did work for, for her. And that she she couldn't believe that I called it and that because that's exactly where it was. It was on the top left side of her jaw, was where the tooth was. And then I did the the energy work for her. And then the next day, she Venmoed me a hundred dollars. Oh my gosh! Wow. I know, which I didn't even ask. I just said this is on the house. And um, and then she said because we've been talking about this, she said this is this is for your doomsday sex cult. <laughs> Oh my, wow. <laughs> that, was, that was a pandemic goal to start the doomsday sex cult, but instead we started the remote. The remote sucks. <laughs> hey, it's the next best thing. Yeah, so why not? <laughs> They're both fun in their own way, you know? So, <laughs> oh. So, so when I'm reading for someone, I will say I, I will say exactly what I see in the cards, but then sometimes I just have to say, off the cards, and I'll say something that popped into my head because now, of course, for years at this point, I know what an intu what an intuitive thought is, as opposed to, you know, like so. Like one time, I was giving a girl a phone reading in Seattle. I know this was an email reading, but she was from Seattle, and so I don't know why I added this, but I felt like I needed to add it. I said, "You have to look for signs that spirits are with you." Um, look for pennies or white feathers. And mm. there's also signs that you can get, you know, from spirits and, you know, those are both common, but maybe not together. And maybe I wouldn't mention it in the tarot reading, but also maybe not to a client who then five minutes after you send the text calls you screaming saying, I was reading this as I was leaving work. And as I went to my car, there was a penny and a white feather on the windshield. <laughs> Holy crap. Wow. Something you said way back there, working with Crystal, doing investigatings and investigating haunted house, like Halloween haunted house attractions that were really haunted that nobody would work at. I want to hear about that. Oh, OK. I'll tell you about it. It was it was Hobbs Grove, which is near Sanger, California. And it's it's one of the biggest Halloween attractions. And it's been, you know, it's been going for years and it's built on. um 
it used to be a walnut grove there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it got to the point where the, the person who, who called me, his name is Maverick, um, he called Crystal and I, or first he Facebooked us and then he called us because they have like, it's a huge, it's on many, many acres of land and they have like a, all these like divisions, like there's a redneck camp, there's a for a haunted forest, there's, oh, sure, you know, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. giant, they, they have like over a hundred cast members working there, like all Halloween season. And that's not even counting the people that do the setup or the, you know, the other things, right? And so many of the of the actors have been there for decades, not maybe some for decades, but at least for years, right? So it was getting so bad with actual real haunting stuff that people that have been working there for years were like, I can't handle this anymore. There's footsteps on the barn, which is like where the dressing room is, or like the, like he he sent me an email that had pages and pages and pages of reports from employees about all the haunting craziness that was going on there. And there's actually a story about this in my new book, <laughs> Rock and Roll Rich on Punk Hosted Press. There's um, a story about this called Lost in the Haunted Forest. And so he had Crystal and I come out to do a paranormal in investigations. And then Hobbs Grove hired a videographer, you know, because like they wanted to document it but the thing that the the two things that made him call me first before he we went out to investigate was one was there was a new cast member who had a, a station he was stationed at a certain point on the tour and when everyone was asking him how his first night was it was like it was great and that those holograms you guys have are really good and someone said holograms and he said yeah you know and someone said, what, what was it? And he said, it was half of a man in a 1930s suit. And he was sort of in the air turning somersaults like that. And then the everyone got really quiet. And finally, someone said, we've never had holograms here. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> but then the, the next incident that happened after that was, it was, it was the Friday before Halloween or you know and it was a packed it was packed there was hundreds and hundreds of people there plus the 100 plus cast members and everybody who was working in the haunted forest just immediately up and left en masse and went to like the main place because all of them saw or some of them didn't see the beginning of it because of you know where they are in the forest right. but about 20 of them, I think, saw the actual beginning of it was there was this big, like, giant spool, like you used to put telephone wires on, you know, you know, those big, giant right, right, right. The people would use, like, as a coffee table in their living room and right, stuff like right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of those things just jumped up. It was, it was laying flat. It jumped up. It, <clears throat> and it, like, got up in a wheel shape and it started rolling itself all throughout the forest. Holy and crap. Every, no, and everyone was just like, nope, nope, nope. And they nope. went in there and they, they had to close the park down. They had to get people from other locations to go out to the forest because, I mean, they didn't close. It was closed for like about an hour at like 930 or something on the Friday before Halloween, which was absurd. But right. Anyhow, they said that there was a shift change. That's how they explained it to the people that were going there for the fake Halloween stuff that they do so well they finally got other people to fill in in the forest because those people were just fucking shook and those people went home and then they. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
So after that, that was the last job. And that's when they called in Crystal and I. And so the first place we went to, this place called the Redneck Camp, which was in the middle of Hobbs Grove, where like people wouldn't go there to get stuff that they needed, you know, that were stored in the trailers because the trailers were just used as props to look like it. But they wouldn't go there because people heard like, quote, quote, like demonic growling. Um, and so, and nobody owned any dogs. I mean, people that lived there had dogs, but there was no dogs around. There was no dogs and there was no people around. So that's why people were refusing to go to the trailer. Anyway, so we showed up there with all our equipment and the videographer was like this dude that was just rolling his eyes. He's like, yeah, you witches are going on a ghost hunt. <laughs> like that. And so we're, we're putting down all the, like, you know, like the, the EMF detectors, the REM pod, you know, we had an ovalus, all this stuff. So the, an ovalus for anyone that's listening, if you don't know what it is, it's kind of, it's this little device that looks like a, a tiny little radio and it's got sort of a thesaurus in it. And if, if you talk to spirits and ask a question, if there's an intelligent spirit there, they can answer back with words or sometimes sentences, mm. you know? Sure. So we had the obelisk out and everything was lighting up like Christmas trees. And then I, I finally just said, um, so how do you guys like living in a real Halloween haunt? And the first thing the obelisk screamed was, it's perfect. Like that, and it's a little <laughs> robot voice. So it's like it's perfect, like that. And then Crystal's like, "Where's the photographer? Is he getting all this?" Because everything was lighting up, and like all we had students with us, our paranormal investigation students, and they're like, "Wow, I'm getting hits from over here." I'm getting, I mean, it was just going crazy. And so Crystal's like, "Where's the photographer?" And I was like, "I don't know." He's just like looking at the trailer, and she goes, "Well, I'm gonna find him." And then she went, "Holy shit!" And she took off, and she was running. And finally, she comes back like ten minutes later, and I was like, "What's going on? Where's the photographer?" <laughs> I was like, "We've been getting so much action over here." And she's like, "I finally caught up with him, and he looked right as a sheet." And he goes. As soon as you guys went there, I felt like someone dumped a bucket of ice water down my back. I didn't sign up for this, man. I'm out of here. He <laughs> <laughs> was the one that was like making fun of us. Oh my God. Oh, they were teaching him a lesson that night. So, oh man. Wow. Okay, then there's another really funny story from that night. So, we were in the barn where everyone had been hearing footsteps up on the loft. Right. And it was me and Crystal and this mother and daughter pair of amazing ghost hunters that have been doing it since the 70s. The, the, the mother, everyone calls her mom, you know, because uh, because she she mentored so many ghost hunters. So anyhow, we were, we were in there. It was, it was like Jan and mom and Crystal and me and people from Hobbs Grove and um. So we had our divining rods and then we had all the other, you know, high tech equipment. And we started having a conversation with this guy in there. He was very, very talkative. And then suddenly it, he just stopped talking, but everything was still lit up. So we knew that he was still around. And then we're saying, um, I was like, what's the matter? Don't you want to talk to us anymore? And then me and Crystal are both like really wacky and, and slutty, crazy girls, you know, because we're both rock and roll chicks. And so she kind of like arches her back and looks all the way up at the ceiling. She goes, what's the matter? Don't you want to talk to hot girls anymore? Like that. And the obelisk immediately yelled, mom's hotter. (laughs) 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 
And then some mom who was like, like, you know, just this nice older lady just started putting her hands in the air. And she's like, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so that like totally fucked up the investigation for 10 minutes because the staff from Hobbs Grove and us, we, didn't, we were laughing so hard. We were fucking crying. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> but then also later that night, mom was telling me to turn off my REM pod when there was a REM pod is a thing that lights up and it's got a little antenna on it. Yeah. She was turning to turn it off. We were right by all this equipment from Wolf Manor, which used to be a tuberculosis sanitarium and an insane asylum where there was like apparently rampant, like widespread patient abuse through both, mm. you know, iterations of the building. But they had, they had all the equipment of it at Hobbs Grove. And like the minute we got near the, um, you know, mom was just like you got to get this shit out of here immediately this is bad this is why you're getting all the activity and so they were just kind of looking looking at her and then she's like she's like pleasant turn up the REM pod for a minute and I was like I did and she's like no it's still on turn it off and he said I did and she said turn it off you're not being professional and I was like I not only turned it off there's no batteries in it and there wasn't and then she saw that and then the next morning when we got home, I had this bottle of water that I had taken like two sips of towards the end of it. When I woke up the next morning, there was like green, like dust floating in the whole water and a ton of it at the bottom, like about two or three inches. I have no idea what the fuck that was, but there was so much weird stuff going on at Hobbs Grove. It was, it was insane. Wow. That sounds, that's gnarly. Oh my God. That's quite yeah. an investigation you had that night. That's like oh one my of, God. a wild one. There was all sorts of other stuff that happened there too, but you can read about it in my book. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, last thing really, how do people get a hold of you to do like a tarot reading and when does Rock and Roll Witch come out? I know you were talking the other day, maybe on Halloween itself. Yeah, if there's, I mean, we're we're dealing with the same like supply chain problems that everybody's dealing with. So if it's not held up because of the the proofs and copies getting to us, it should be out on Halloween. Cool. Um, if it is, I'll probably still do like an online event, and people can and people could still get autographed books you know like but they'll they'll have to wait they're not going to be present in our hands so i don't know about that we're waiting to see about that from from the where it's getting printed but how people can get a hold of me for tarot readings or energy work is through my website which is pleasantgaming.com it's p-l-e-a-s-a-n-t-g-e-h-m as in man a as in nancy.com and then also on and my instagram it's my instagram is princess of hollywood it's all one word and i do tarot polls every night for the next day and i always say you know information of you know where you can where you can contact me sure. or when i'm working at the green man store and then i'm on twitter as pleasant game in one i wanted it to be 11 but I took up too many characters. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 11, 11, that's a magical number. So, yep, yep. Uh, no, I have 11, 11 tattooed on me. My whole life has been 11, 11. My whole life has been synchronicities. Well, Pleasant, always a pleasure. It's great to talk to you. I'll let you go. So, yay. 
Well, there you go. It's time to bid a very sad farewell to Pleasant Gaiman and the interview series with her for now. For now, keywords for now. Hopefully, Pleasant will be back very, very soon. I got to say, I have never met anyone like Pleasant Gaiman. Truly a one-of-a-kind and very magical person in more ways than one, right? I'm mean, based on what you heard in that interview. Definitely very magical in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, she tells stories that they'll alternate between kind of making you go, oh, God, and like making you crack up laughing. But the biggest thing that I get when I talk to Pleasant, magic exists for real and it definitely exists in Pleasant Game. And then that's a true thing. I think that's indisputable. And I will say also, my life is much more magical from the time that I've spent through these interview episodes by getting to know Pleasant and hearing her stories and everything about her. Thank you. I hope you can say the same by listening to Pleasant Talk in these episodes. So thank you, Pleasant Gaiman. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and for letting me get to know you a little bit through these episodes a million times. Thank you. Please make sure you check out everything Pleasant Gaming. Go to IWantAPartyWithBob.com slash podcasts. There will be a link up on this episode's page of that website to go straight to Pleasant's website. Or I think Pleasant actually even said it in, in the interview. It's just PleasantGaming.com. Either way, check out Pleasant's stuff. There on Pleasant's website, you can get a link to her new book when it does come out, plus a bunch of her other books, which are amazing. I'm reading Showgirl Confidential right now buy that book it is incredible she is an incredible writer so all kinds of stuff you can access uh, pleasant's tarot readings uh healings uh, everything just go to pleasantgaming.com there it all is right there pleasant's new book is called rock and roll witch by the way if you did not catch that in the interview i'd also like to say thank you to this episode's sponsors which were good life digestive health and wicked cat clothing and of course Thank you for listening. Please remember, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Please join the Bobcast Patreon. Starts at a dollar a month. Go to patreon.com slash I want to party with Bob. Sign up there. You'll get access to episodes just like this, but they are ad-free and interruption-free. So, yes, quite the deal. Please sign up today. Well, happy spooky season to you all and to all a good night. Thank you so much for listening to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. Turn around, you'll take